Good evening. I'm Dory Locke, your host for this call, and I'd like to be the first to welcome you to the Size Seminar's monthly call highlighting tools and techniques from the basic seminar. We are so excited to have hundreds of you joining us, and we were looking forward to addressing the many questions you have about navigating relationships during the holidays. So on behalf of Size Seminars, I have the pleasure of welcoming a very special couple to the call tonight. Many of you on the call will be familiar with them as they have been involved with Size Seminars since 1991. This couple who have clearly used the Size Seminar work as an instrumental part of their lives and relationships, it is Janice and Curtis Takamoto Gentili. For those of you who do not know them yet, Dr. Curtis is a medical physician in Honolulu, Hawaii in private practice. He is known for his natural approach to health and healing. He is also the co-author of Your Dream Machine with Jane Wilhite. He is the author of Optimal Health Naturally, what, do you, what Your Doctor Didn't Tell You and What Your Mother Didn't Know. Janice runs their multi-million dollar family corporation. She is a former teacher and a co-founder and first principal of an award-winning school in Hawaii. They have been married for 31 years and have two children, Krishana, who is finishing medical school, and Chris, who is an actor. Curtis and Janice are part of the Hawaii Ohana, or that city staff there in Hawaii, since 2000. I am sure they will also share more about their background in relationships and parenting classes with us tonight. I know anyone on this call is excited to have them join us, and we are looking forward to hear what they have to share with us. So please help me welcome Janice and Curtis to the call. Are you with us? Aloha, Dory. Hello. Hello, hello. Merry Christmas <laughs> in Hawaii. And we're okay. excited about being here this month um, about and speaking about this important topic. Well, excellent. Well, we are sure excited to have you join us, and I'm going to go ahead and turn the call over to you now. Okay. Well, you know, when Curtis and I were asked to speak um, and to talk about navigating relationships during this time of the year, I mean, it was exciting for us because we brought together lots of things that we've taught and obviously personally experienced through the time we've been together. A little bit of background, um, Curtis and I, like Dory said, have been married 31 years. I'm originally from upstate New York, and I came to Hawaii to visit some friends which is when I met Curtis. So I'm 100% Italian, brought up in upstate New York, and that's where I lived, lived other places in the country, but primarily from there. Mm -hmm. And then I came here to meet this man in Hawaii. And uh, a little bit of my background, I'm actually part Hawaiian. I am from Hawaii, born and raised. And, um, yeah, 31 years ago I was in medical school at that time. With, uh, and I met Janice through her mutual friend, and it was like, for me, love at first sight, and uh, that's a whole different uh, topic, and, <laughs> but it's a wonderful story. Right, we might not have the time on this call tonight. Um, so, you know, when we were talking about this, you know, navigating, of course, we know about navigating in the Hawaiian Islands, because we used ancient navigation tools in the time, so I thought that was an interesting way of presenting this. And so we hope that tonight we're able to give you some navigating tools that you can navigate the relationships in your life and you can have what you want, that you can be living the relationships of your dreams. The, the interesting thing with um, this topic is it really is twofold approach. One is we get to look at what does the holiday mean for all of us. And I got to look at it from a broad perspective. And... Number one is it's a time of gatherings, and for many people, it's the time when family gets together. Uh, but it also includes getting together with friends, neighbors, coworkers, uh, clients, uh, if you're in a professional field. And for many of us, uh, there's a time of participation in special activities, and that could be your children's school program, or if you're in a, a teacher in an educational setting, you may be part of the program. Uh, it may be part of a religious ceremony or um, activities in the community or even in your workplace. And a lot of people that I know of will, will have their annual um, 
had a two time to get together and to to express gratitude and appreciation for their staff and employees. So it's really uh, a gathering, a time of gathering, and it's an opportunity. And at these gatherings, we usually check in with people or with families. It's a time to check in to see, well, I haven't seen you in a year, and what's been going on, and you know, you added any more kids to your family, and it's not a time where you can exchange ideas or even just to lend a supportive ear. And um, it's a time of giving, to give back. And when we really look at this topic, it was like I was told you, you know, there are really specific health benefits when you have uh, a relationship or relationships that are uh, working. Uh, and what we've known from research is that um, when the relationships are you know, working well, not only does it bring you pleasure and happiness and joy, which is really one of the motives for, being, for having a good relationship, but it will actually improve your lifespan. Research has shown that when you're in a happy relationship, you can improve your lifespan by at least four years or more. Uh, you'll also find that they have fewer health problems, partly because your immune system is boosted when you're in a happy relationship, and you'll experience 35% less illness when you're in a happy relationship. And when you're in a poor relationship, it can lead to things like depression, cognitive impairment, and um, even dementia is part of uh, the prevention to, for, uh, for dementia is really to be in healthy, uh, happy relationships. When you have lack of social ties, we know that it leads to depression. Uh, it also adds and contributes to dementia, and uh, it'll decrease lifespan. And there was a study done with over 300,000 people that showed that with a lack of strong relationship, you increase the risk of premature death from all causes by at least 50%. And that's comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So for many, many years. For many, many years. And, and you know, it's like having a healthy relationship uh, in your family, with your coworkers, uh, as an employer, it really enhances your life. So when I look at when I first moved here, I mean, Curtis came from a family that was Native Hawaiian, which had the Native people of this area, um, raised by his grandmother, who was 100% Hawaiian, and then his Chinese grandfather, and then he had, on the other side of the family, Japanese grandparents, and his father was Japanese. So for me, it was, all these cultures were very, very different than my Italian culture, it seemed to be, initially, over in the East Coast. And actually, even when I first met Curtis, his mother was not really happy that he was marrying somebody from New York and not somebody from the islands. And so for us, we, you know, from one perspective, you know, all the things we're talking about here about health and happiness, it was a little bit of a challenge for us to convince our families that the two of us coming together was going to be good for, for, for the two of us and for our families because it was so different for them. So it started out that Curtis's family um, typically um, gathered at his grandmother's house. It was so different than my gatherings. We were in the house. Of course, it was cold in upstate New York during the holidays, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas and even sometimes Easter. And um, we, would, we would go to Curtis's grandmother's house, and we would be outside. They had like an outside patio that we'd all gather. And at that time, um, I, was, I was a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I'd been a vegetarian since 1972, and most of the, the, the meals that they had were revolved around meat and fish. And so that was another piece that we brought into the, you know, started introducing some of the Italian foods that my family would prepare for the holidays. So I would call my mom and my dad and learn how to prepare some of the, the foods that we used to have during the holidays, and I would take it to Chris's family. And it's so interesting because now they're like, Janice, can you make your stuffed Italian shells and can you make your pasta with pesto? And so I brought all these things in. And part of creating those healthy relationships is that I wanted to find out what Curtis's family did for the holidays, what their traditions were, and I wanted to add that to my family traditions. And I loved their traditions. And then in turn, they also accepted my family traditions that I brought to the family. So it's not necessarily that it's always easy. It's just that it took me loving my husband and having his family as my family, which, you know, a lot of times I'll hear from couples, you know, it's, your, it's her family, it's my wife's family, it's my husband, it's my significant other's family, it's not my family. And what I've grown to learn and believe 
is that when we are in a, re- a relationship with some a, a significant our significant other, their family becomes our family, and my family because becomes their family. It's not his family and my family. That's not how we've looked at it. It's our family now. And that has made all the difference in the world also because it's had me listen to his family and to realize that there are gifts and I learn about his history by listening to his grandmother and his mother and his aunties and his cousins. And then we were just, and then Curtis, you started out, we've gone to New York a few times for the holidays also. And then what happened for you? Yeah, for me, it was a totally different experience because uh, this time of the year in New York, usually it's under snow and it's cold, and it's something you don't really see in Hawaii unless you're up at the uh, the top of the volcano on the big island. So it was being indoors, and um, and it's an Italian family. I mean, it was, like, wonderfully loud. And <laughs> it shocked me at first when, we first, when I first met Janice's dad. I, I, I was like, why is he talking so loud? Is he always this angry? And it took me a while to adjust to realize, no, he's not angry. That's just my prejudices. It's sort of like in Hawaii, the Japanese people are very gentle, very calm. The Hawaiian people are very, very quiet type people. Um, and the Italian family was, was just the opposite. And I realized, no, you know what? I grew up in a different social context. And once I realized, oh, my father-in-law is like this when he's at church, when he's He's at his club meetings, when he's at uh, family birthday parties, you could hear his voice booming from one room to the next. And I, I realized, no, he's not mad. He's just being Joel. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, a that, that, those were new things for both of us. And um, coming to Curtis's family, it was interesting because, like I said in the beginning, Kurt's mom wasn't really happy that he was marrying somebody from New York and not marrying somebody from the islands. Although Curtis's grandmother was very loving and very, very happy and appreciating that I was part of the family or going to become part of the family. And his grandmother, like I said, was from, um, she's Native Hawaiian, 100%, which is very rare. And she was from the island of Maui, from this very, very magical and beautiful place called Hana. And then they moved to Oahu, Honolulu, which is where um, Curtis grew up. And her husband was Chinese descent, came from a family of like nine children, a Chinese family. And, you know, it was interesting. Their only son actually was quite an athlete, and he became a professional football player. And they moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to watch him play for the Philadelphia Eagles. And interestingly enough, when they lived in Philadelphia, they lived upstairs from an Italian family, just like Curtis was saying, my kind of Italian family, loud and full of family. And, you know, during the holidays, lots you have everybody over, lots of food, lots of drink, lots of wine, lots of hugging and kissing and loud speaking. And, and it was interesting because they had that experience for several years, and then they moved back to Hawaii. And when Curtis's grandmother and grandfather found out that I was 100% Italian, they were really happy. They said... We're just like, you're just like the Hawaiians. Family is really important to Italians and food and drink and being together for the holidays. So that was really, that was really great for me too because I felt like, okay, they found a way that I'm, I am like they are and they're really happy about this part. And it's really true because the family is really, is very, very important with the Hawaiian side of Curtis's family. So that's one of the little personal stories. So then the other thing, um, getting back to, you know, what Curtis was saying about, you know, the academic level and the physical part of creating relationships. Um, did you have some more things on that, Curtis? Well, I, I find if I'm a physician, being a physician, that there's lots of research and lots of evidence that when you're in a healthy relationship, it does many wonderful things to, to one's physical body and mental body and emotional body. And research has, has proven that, when you're in a healthy relationship, it relieves harmful levels of stress associated with coronary arterial disease like heart attacks. Uh, it helps the gut to function better. A lot of people, when they're, when they're stressed out, they'll have problems with gastritis or heartburn or stomach ulcers, and then it could lead to irritable bowel syndrome or even colitis. It helps uh, in a healthy relationship that your insulin is better regulated so you can help prevent diabetes. And it boosts your immune system to such a point that 
I have patients who tell me when they're stressed out, their rheumatoid arthritis flares up, and I have lots of cancer patients that I'll treat naturally and support them. And I'll tell them, I says, research has shown that the emotion that feeds cancer to go wild and, and faster is anger and resentment. And when I work with them spiritually, as we're healing their cancer, I says, you really have to work on your anger, your resentment that you have in, um, towards anyone. And sometimes I'll say, oh, no, I, I cleared that all up. And, you know, they, they might have done the basic seminar. And they said, no, things are really good with my family. And then I'll say, um, what about yourself? And they'll look at me and they say, well, what do you mean? I said, what part of you that you don't like? And they said, oh, I, don't, I wish I had skinnier legs or I had, you know, this and that. And I said, well, that's, that's an area of resentment. And so for them, they have to work on creating joy because we know joy uh, is really the emotion that cancer does not like. And so that, that begins, again, the whole concept of being in, uh, in relationship, whether it be yourself or with others. And evidence shows that uh, when you have a very effective social support system, uh, that is really interesting that we, we hear this time of the year, you know, it's about giving gifts. Uh, and yet the, the research shows that it's not only the person receiving the gift that you enhance and improve their life and pr- create happiness for them, but the, the evidence is showing that the person who's the giver gains. And in the, in the basic seminar, you know, we've learned one of the key concepts, giver's gain. So it's not only that when you give a gift that you're doing something good for someone else, you're actually doing good for yourself. And so it's a two-way street or what we call a win-win situation. And um, I think that's why this topic is really, I think, uh, a wonderful topic at this time of the year because we have lots of time to engage with people, to connect with people. And it doesn't require a lot of money. It doesn't require a lot of intelligence. It doesn't require a lot of skills or techniques because really if you come down to it, if you just show that you care, and even in, in relationships that if you have a hard time with anyone in the family, if you can just show that you care about one thing, and it makes a world of difference in your immune system, on your health. And like Curtis had said, so many of these things, in fact, we've actually invited many of our patients to come to the basic, and they've been able to balance out the emotional, the physical, the mental, and then their spiritual side, the connection to everything. And so we feel that's why we've been so involved at the basics since 1991 is because we've seen it work for thousands and thousands of people, that people get to balance out themselves and to be able to find the gifts in themselves and in the people around them to create the kind of relationships they want. So some of the things that I know Curtis started touching on and being with our family members, and so one of the things, one of the things we learn in the basics is the three ways of listening. And I'm, for those people who have not done the basic, I'm just going to go over, you know, just really briefly. Of course, you know, you'll just get a, a little bit of piece of this here. And the people that did the basic, it's just it, it's an affirmation and, a, and, and to what you're already doing. So one of the ways we listen is to judge what the person is saying. So think about this when you're listening to someone speak. You're agreeing or you're disagreeing. So therefore, you're judging. And then the next thing you're doing is you're deciding what you're going to say next and rebuttal to what they're going to say or in addition or to enhance or to refute what they just said. And the third way of listening is that one that I'm going to talk about today, which I think is imperative during the holidays to create the relationships that we want to create with the people that we love and the people that we surround ourselves with, such as coworkers. It's being with. And being with is, from, from, from a practical perspective, is totally being present to the other person without judgment, without thinking what's next. And I say it's not only listening to their words, it's listening with your heart to what the meaning is behind the words. And it's being, now you know the difference with this. You've been around people that you've had conversations with that they're in front of you and you're speaking to them, although you don't know where they are, that they're not present. And then there's other individuals that you've been in conversation with and, you, and, and when you're with them, you feel like you're the only person in the world at that particular moment in time. That is a clear example of somebody being with. So, it's, so then think about this with coworkers, family, significant others, friends, to listen and to be present to what they're saying. And when you think about it, sometimes it's more challenging with family members because we have history with them, and maybe sometimes that history isn't the best history. So if you're, if you're being present to what your family is saying, you can learn something new about them. 
you can start to heal maybe the possible resentment that Curtis talked about with them and see them anew every time you're with them. It allows you to, and actually listening to people as if you listen to them for the first time, for me, always has me learn something different about them and new about them. Because I'm not always going into my, I know what he's going to say, I know what she's going to say. And I learn something new and I look for the, I look for the gifts that they've given me in their conversation. And then, and then with my, we were just with our family during Thanksgiving, and my, and my aunt was there, and we were talking, and my cousins were there, my sister, and we were talking about when we were kids. And in listening to some of the things about my family history, I learned some more things about myself and about why I do some of the things we do. And, you know, and, and actually with Curtis's family, listen to his family, I've learned about some of the things that he does and why he does them because I've learned from his grandmother and his mother and aunts and uncles. So I've learned more about his beliefs and his thought process. And we're at the point now that we're celebrating the differences in our families and finding so many really authentic similarities. So one of the things that we also did when we were at, uh, back at my family in New York during Thanksgiving is everybody put their cell phones away. Nobody brought their cell phone in the conversation in anywhere we were. Like cousins had their cell phones in their jacket pockets that they left in the closet and the purses that were left in the closet. So when we were around the dinner table and then we were talking in the kitchen and the living room, nobody had their cell phone. So my experience is it's imperative to let go of all our electronic connections when we're really poised to be present to the people that mean the most to us. So that's what I'm going to ask you to consider, to consider putting away any of your devices with texting and calling during your family time together to really be with each other and be present to each other. Did you want to add anything to that, Curtis? No, I, I find that um, in in the old days, <laughs> we didn't have all these electronic equipment. And it was always funny that when we have family gathering, it was, you know, the highlight of the gathering was really the food in the middle of the table. And so we would gather around there and um, be in conversation, whether it be with um, one of the younger kids just to find out what they're doing in school or how they're doing in their sports or um, some of what the older uncles to listen to their stories about, you know, what happened at Pearl Harbor or, you know, things that they're doing. And to ask them, you know, questions that um, – how do you, you know, how do you fix the, the car when it's smoking or, you know, because everybody has a talent. And if you go around the room and you ask a question about them, it's like how to be in a great conversation is really to listen. And we have two ears, one mouth, so that means you're supposed to listen twice as much. And if you ask the right question, you know, I, I'm really a quiet person, very introverted, and um, normally I'd be happy to sit in a corner at a large family gathering and just watch things going on. And in my family, that's sort of the tendency that I believe that my family thought that that's how I was supposed to behave. And so I would just be very quiet and just watch things go by and, you know, a chat here, a chat there. But at Janice's house, it was like I was like a different person. I, I became really Italian in her family, and I was very engaging and very uh, talkative. And it was like I, I noticed myself. I was like, God, it's like, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. In Buffalo, I'm, I'm Dr. Jekyll, and at home, I'm Mr. Hyde, maybe. And so I got to look at myself and say, well, why do I do this? And I realized that I was fulfilling my family's um, uh, prejudices about me, that I'm supposed to be quiet and sit in the corner because that's how I was raised as a child. And so I got to be a little different after that because I realized, well, that's really not that much fun. So I, I start to engage more and ask questions more, and I, I, I get some really interesting answers when you start asking about what what they're doing or what they're believing in or their struggles or their business uh, rather than my business. And um, it, it's it's very engaging and it creates networking, it creates um, community, and you have a better social network. Absolutely. So then one of the other things that people have asked too is like what, um, what do we engage in? So many of the times during the holidays we're saying we engage in very much of a commercial Christmas. And then what other things? And so, you know, one of the things that we started doing when our children were little was talking about what kind of service project we wanted to do. And many times we do it during the holidays because we also believed that the holidays were also about giving back, giving back to others. We received a lot, and then we wanted to give back. So, you know, one of the other things is 
the family or a couple service project or a group service project, whether it's a giving day in many of the cities you may have giving days, or whether it's just adopting a family and giving all the things for them for Thanksgiving or Christmas, or doing a beach cleanup project. You know, in some way, shape, or form, really for us it was adding to our children's understanding of what the holidays were all about. It was really about giving to the larger community and actually giving to people that we didn't even know. So then getting back to, you know, some of the things that I think might be important to people. Did you have some more things to say about the health, Curtis? Well, I just want to say one more thing about um, the medical benefits or the healthy benefits. Uh, and it has to do with um, those families that are raising children. Um, research has also shown that when children are being raised in a really healthy, happy environment as in terms of uh, the, the, the mom and dad being in, in a health, happy relationship, or even if you're a single parent, you know, it shows that when you're happy and positive, children living in that environment have, have fewer emotional issues. Uh, they have fewer physical health problems. They're sick less often. Uh, they, they actually perform better academically. A lot of times when uh, you have a student in your classroom and normally they're like, you know, a great student, all of a sudden there's a sudden change in their grades, it usually indicates that there's stress going on in that person's life. And more often than not, from children, even grade schools, and when their child is not doing well in school like they normally would, there's something going on at home. And so you can really intervene, and that's what Janice and I spent nearly 20 years of doing parenting classes, and a lot of parents realize, yes, that's true. When, when we're upset as a couple, it really affects the children. And children are really, you know, they have a PhD in, in, in parenting. They, they know how to push our buttons, and they read us really well. And, um, you know, they're sort of our mirrors. There are they're really, my children, as in all parents will say this, you know, they're our, our best teachers in our life because they're our mirrors. And so you really want to provide them a really healthy environment because when you do that, they're better able to regulate their, their emotions when they're in conflict. And they have many more social skills compared to kids that are growing up and, you know, in a lot of distress. So that's what I wanted to add in, in terms of the health benefits of having, uh, working on really having a healthy relationship. So then one of the other things, thank you, Curtis. I mean, those are all, and I can attest to all of what he just said in being an educator for so many years. So the other things that we were talking about, and I know this is one of the issues that people have, which is about gift giving during the holidays, because we talked about all the giving and projects and service projects, but what about the practical things, which is the giving of gifts? And so one of the other things that, I've taught, that we've talked about is that, you know, finding out, and, and during the basic seminar, something we do fairly early in the seminar is we look at the most common behavior styles. And it's a, it's a really fun exercise. And, and, and after that exercise, I came home and realized, you know, there are four behavior styles that were presented in the class that our family of four, each person represented one behavior style. So that was really cool because I started to find out how each person in my family wanted to be communicated with, uh, what was important to them, what made a difference in their lives. And one of the other, and that really helps a lot in deciding, you know, what, finding out what kind of activities during the holidays and, and even what kind of gifts meant a lot to them. And then in as, as addition to that, um, I also, you know, and I know many people have heard about this, you know, learned about love languages. And again, I really think that when we look at what's important to the other person, because really giving is about the other and isn't necessarily about us, although as Curtis said, we do get benefits from that. So looking at the five love languages, so just briefly I wanted to go over those um, just so that helps to get us in tune with what does this individual in our lives value. So one of the love language is receiving gifts. So think about that. There's somebody in your life that when you, any little gift, it could be one flower, it could be a card, it could be um, um, a pen that you picked up when you were in a conference or something like that, that loves to receive gifts. And that person, it doesn't matter how big the gift is, it's a gift, that's, what, that's how you show their love to them. That's how they feel love. The second way is um, physical touch. So, you know, that would, be, that would be one that you know that that person feels loved by touch. And it could be just a pat on the shoulder. It could be a rub on the back. 
It could be a hug. It could be a kiss. And you'll, you'll look at this when you look at your children also and start to realize what their love languages are. So the third one is acts of service. So when I'm going to look at adult significant relationships, acts of service such as um, uh, a significant other saying, you know, what needs to be done today? Um, what's on your list? What can I do? So whether it's doing the dishes or doing the wash for that day or taking the kids for the errands, um, acts of service. And you'll know the person in your life is, likes, to be, ha, likes to have those things done for them. They, they feel loved when you ask them what you can do to support them. Another one is quality time. And when I look at quality time, and this is even for children, it's finding out what's important to them. We used to have like a date night with each one of our children or afternoon and we, that we got to take them, um, one parent took one child to do everything what they wanted that day. So quality time, of course, that love language you'll know because it could be, and you find out what is important to them. What's quality time to them? Sometimes it's just being home. It doesn't even mean that you need to go anywhere. And the other love language is words of affirmation. So when you have somebody in your life that wants words of affirmation, and that can be done verbally. It can be done with appreciation. It can be done with cards. It can be done with notes. It can be done with text messages or emails with, with um, words and with, with cool, loving pictures on it. So those are some of the things to consider when we're looking at what do we want to do in terms of how are we able to give the gifts. So these are gifts. These are gifts that we can give, um, and, and many times they don't cost any money. And then, and then we can also consider what kind of love language our significant other responds to and actually even pattern our Christmas gifts around that. Kurt, did you have anything to add to that? No, uh, those, those are really important. I've, I've used them a lot in different times. Like even the quality of time, I have a lot of... Um, Clients that will tell me, you know, they're so busy in this busy world, but uh, that now it's really a, a global issue. But I find that if you don't make the time, like in my case uh, with my children, being very busy as a physician, being on call um, and um, long hours, uh, I really had to be conscious about creating the time. And so I finally realized that, you know what, my kids are just as important as any of my patients. And so I would book them in my appointment time so that I made time to be with each of them individually. And Janice and I did something really simple, such as reading them a story at night. And so we would take turns and we'd say, you know, okay, we'll spend seven minutes uh, and we'll read or talk stories or tell jokes. And then it, when the timer went off, then we'd switch and we'd go to we switch to the next child. And so we just would take turns. And after 15 minutes, we were done having a long time with each of them to hear their stories, their day, and how things went. To just be with them, and uh, it's to me, it's made all the difference in the world. Okay, that's very true. So um, I don't know to wrap up. I guess um, there's so many more things as you can tell we can talk about. But I guess to wrap up, we'd say you know the reason I say the reason for the season is that we can experience more of the love that's around us every day, and we can experience it from the stranger. We can experience from our family and coworkers and friends, and we can experience it at a deeper level from our significant other. And so, um, you know, we, we actually are ready now. If we have any questions out there, you know, we can possibly bring up some more things, but I do know that we have a, a time um, schedule here to keep, which is uh, one hour. So, Dory, do you have some questions for us? We absolutely do, and, and I will get to those. And I, I tell you, we could uh, likely listen to the two of you all night. So <laughs> I know I've had a smile on my face for the last half hour, and I'm sure that many on the call feel the same way. So let me get to those questions. Uh, the first one comes from RN, and the question is, with all the extra commitments and things pulling you in multiple directions with family, friends, and work, how do you prevent your lover or partner from feeling as though they are not receiving enough attention or even worse, feeling left out? Did you want to start that one? Okay, so I look at the so you know, I look at this in my own life. There's sometimes that I'm not able to do things with Curtis 
And um, so what happens is sometimes what he'll do is before he has to go to a dinner that I'm not going to be able to attend because of my schedule, you know, he'll write me a love note in the morning. Or maybe sometimes he'll just leave a flower. Or even, you know, more extravagantly, he'll send flowers to work. So I'm there and everybody's at work and seeing these beautiful flowers coming, just saying, I miss you and I love you and I'll see you when I get home tonight. So he takes the time to do extra things when we're not going to be able to be together. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. Then he comes back home and tells me about what the dinner was like and who he talked to and how they asked if I was there and he missed having me there and he wished I was there. And, I mean, just acknowledging me when I come home and then listening to me like what my day was like and what I was doing instead of being at the gathering with him. And I think, again, him knowing what my love language is, he knows how to address different things at different times um, when maybe my life has become very stressful and I haven't been able to be with him and um, starting to feel disconnected from, from the relationship that we have. So he finds little ways to connect us again and to let me know that he missed me and that he appreciates me and that he you know, loves having me a part of his life. Even when I'm not physically with him, I'm still with him. Did you want to add anything, Curtis? Yeah, and then sometimes he's just taking the time to go on a date. And usually it's like a date alone rather than having the children there at the dinner table. And it could be a, just a, a lunch. It doesn't have to be an extravagant, you know, three-hour eating date. It could just be, why don't we just go out and grab a you know, slice of pizza and a salad and just be with each other and, and um, just to catch up or, you know, primarily just to be with each other. So um, you know, we have the luxury in that because we work together, we actually, people say, how can you stand being with together for 24 hours a day? But really, our time together driving into work and uh, back home from work is really when our alone time together, because once we get to work, I could work all day and not even barely see Janice, because she's busy doing her thing, and I'm busy doing my thing, and if we happen to cross ships in the hallway, um, you know, that's, that's, we're, we're busy working. It would be no different than if she went to work at a school and I'd be working in a clinic. So um, it's really taking time to let the other person know that they're appreciated. And it could be just a simple thing. I sometimes write little post-its and I would hide it in her purse or in, in, in like the lunch bag and when they're opening the things, they discover a little smiley face, love me. And um, you know, it's just a little things. And I've learned really uh, a dozen roses is nice, but one rose is just as effective. And for guys that are in budget-minded um, men, like in my case, it's like you mean one rose is just as good as 12 roses? It's like, oh, great, I can do 12 roses and, you know, more times than a dozen roses, you know, once or twice a year. So a little flower here and there really spices things up. Hope that helps. hmm Well, it helped me. I'm sure it helped everyone <laughs> else on the phone, too. That, that was excellent. Okay, the next one comes from R. And the question is, and I think this feeds right into what you were just saying, my husband likes to go big with presents at Christmas, and my values are for more moderation in gifts. We try to communicate beforehand and set budgets for gifts, but my husband doesn't always keep his agreement on this. Any suggestions on how to avoid resentment and resistance around this? Yes, so this is an excellent one, excellent question. And... um, Yes, I understand that you've been talking to your husband, and maybe what you want to go in a little bit more about is to finding out what your love language is. And I want to, and I may guess that maybe his love language is receiving gifts. That's how he feels love, so therefore, that's how he feels. He's showing love towards you. So um, that's what, what the first section is. And Curtis wants to add something to this one. You know, sometimes, like from a husband's standpoint um, or a guy's standpoint, you know, we go big on the gifts. And I think part of it is like we're fulfilling our inferiority complex because we felt like maybe we didn't do enough for the whole year. We're, at times we might be like a jerk. And so we, um, we we try to compensate for that by buying more, by buying bigger. And uh, it's our way of showing that, you know, we really care about you. We really do love you. We do appreciate you. And it, it's like finding the perfect gift. And uh, it may not be in the budget, and I remember in the early stage of our marriage, I mean, there was one of my first expensive gifts for Janice was uh, a diamond, um, what do you call those things? Uh, bracelet. Bracelet. And um, 
her reaction was, oh, that's too expensive. And um, she wanted to return it. And I was so hurt. I mean, it was like, uh, I think my mother-in-law saw my face and it was just so appropriate. I mean, she pulled Janison aside and she told you can tell her what's going well, on. So, so we were, he was in medical school. We had two little children, just had a second child. And I did think that this was extravagant. And my mother took me to the side and she said, you know, Jan, I did that when I, we were early in my marriage with your dad. And after that, he never got me gifts or just he didn't feel confident in buying me gifts any longer. So she said, you should just receive it. So it was interesting. So then Curtis and I talked about it, and I got a different perspective from my mom. And we went back, and I talked to him, and I told him that, you know, I really appreciated this beautiful gift that he gave me, although I really would love if it was something that I could wear every day. And having two little children wearing a uh, diamond bracelet every day wasn't actually going to be uh, practical. And so we both went back to the store together. And the person in the store actually found the most beautiful pair of diamond earrings for me and made the exchange for that. And so Curtis and I did that together, and I have those earrings to this day, and I've worn them thousands of times. And, you know, I learned so, so much from that whole exchange that I realized that, you know what, I really don't know her style of jewelry, and I don't like feeling disappointed. So we've made it, I've made it a habit then when we're out shopping and we're looking at things like we do window shopping, and then we'll, I'll test her. I'll say, well, what do you think about that? I said, no, that's too big for me. And then I look like, oh, yeah, that is too big. She has small hands. And then it's like, well, what about this? I said, no, it's not the right color for me. So I'm learning her style, and I've learned to be very successful in buying the right things, especially when it's a big ticket item. I'll take her along with me. And I said, of these two things, which one do you really like? And then she would say, oh, this one is perfect. And then it's like, I'm right on, you know, it's like, it's so great as a husband when you finally find the right, the perfect gift, and it's like the perfect thing. And it's so wonderful when I look at her and she's actually wearing it, and it's not hidden in some drawer in the back of the drawer. It's like she really makes use of the things that we, we buy together. And he's pretty sneaky about it. He does that during the year, like in July and June, and then he remembers or he goes back and buys it, and then he has it on hand when it comes to my birthday or Christmas or the other times we buy gifts for each other. What I also wanted to say is that sometimes we just need to realize that the gift that we receive from our significant other is more for them than for us. It was for them to be able to show they loved us. And maybe just to not say anything about it, not get in an argument about it, not be resentful and realize that this is, at this point in time, this is what he knows is his best way or her best way of showing me that they love me. And then just to let it go and not make it an issue to create all the resentment and the resistance. I have one last thing, too. Like, if it's really an issue with it's, it's breaking, you know, if it's a budgetary issue, especially if it's like... Um, you're overspending. What helped me, because in the early stages of our marriage, Janice was actually paying the bills. I'd bring home the paycheck, she'd deposit it, and she, she knew exactly where every single penny went to what bill, for what doctor's bill, for the kids, and school. And so when I bought an extravagant gift for her, it was nowhere in her budget, and she would just get a little stressed out about it, and I could never figure out why. And then finally, what we decided to do, I should do the check-in. And I should do the balancing. And once I started doing that, it was like, oh, my gosh. It's like I am overspending. And it, it helped me to be a little bit more grounded in our spending habits. And uh, so one of the remedy for this question is, like, you know, if it's really an issue, maybe you should have him do the checking account and balance in the books because he needs reality check to see, you know, like, uh, are we going to pay for this because you went over the checking account? <laughs> <laughs> this is good. And also create more abundance. I mean, one of the things that after we did the basics, this is before we did the basics, then whenever we looked at things that we needed to do and wanted to do, is that we had the tools to create more financial resources for our family. And then, of course, that's much, there, there are, those issues aren't there any longer. Okay. Okay. The next question comes from MS. And this question is, is there a safe, way to clear up old hurts or slights that have been around for some time in in relationship? Well, I would recommend here that whoever you have the old hurts or the slights with, that you call them before the family gatherings at the holidays. 
and you invite them out for lunch or out for tea or coffee and let them know that how you're feeling about this and take responsibility for it. Like, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this. I would really like to clear this up with you. And and then to to get clear about um, what you would... So I, I'm going to back up a little bit. So before you ha- call them to ask them to, to have a, a meeting, and then before you have this meeting, get really clear about what you want to have as the result. What is your perfect end result? And one of the things that we learn in the basic seminar is screen of the mind. And I think this is really one of the most powerful tools of all time. And screen of the mind, just quickly, is is rehearsing or seeing the picture of the perfect end result before you actually enter into an activity or a conversation or a project. And I think that's one of the most powerful ways of doing this is to see the perfect end result and then, again, um, taking responsibility. Yeah, the challenge you mentioned, like inviting them out to, you know, like a luncheon to kind of have this meeting. Um, one of the reasons why I think when you're in a public area, such as like a, even a coffee shop, it's like everyone has to be civil because you're in a public gathering. So um, you'll, you'll be very cognizant of um, how you're going to say things, what you're going to say. You emotionally are in control. Uh, you don't have to worry about somebody, you know, Yelling, you know, if you do it in your in your garage, I mean, that could lead to um, disastrous results. But when you're in a public setting, it's like people are polite and they're more in control of themselves. And to be really responsible, it's what it means is that I it's your problem. And so you really do say that you know I have a concern, I have an issue, and what it's about is when you're doing this and this, I feel really. What are you feeling? You know, rejected, hurt, disappointed, and it's like but you're coming from the from the position of I speaking in the first person. The person who's listening is actually not on the defensive. They're actually there listening to really see. Wow, you're feeling all of that, and I did all of that, and I didn't know I was doing that. Rather than trying to figure out, they're listening to you, and already the defensive wall goes up, and they're trying to come back with their reason, their justification, their explanation, and then it's like who's better than who, and so it's like a win-lose situation. But when you come from responsibility that I didn't feel comfortable when you were behaving this way or when you said these things to me because it really hurt my feelings and uh, and et cetera, et cetera, I think the set the setup and how you say it is really the key to that resolution. Okay. Next. Okay. The next one comes from A. And the question is, if you feel strongly about a particular person in your life more than just a friend and you want to let them know that you love them but are unsure about what their response will be, is it best to just let your actions show them your feelings or to have the freedom to say what is in your heart no matter if it is responded to in kind or not? So, you know, I... In this situation, you know, I think life is short. And I say go for it. And it might be as simple as going to the card store and finding a card that says something similar to what you would like to say. Or maybe it's right on, hit the nail right on the head. And then if you don't find that, then buy a card that you think is beautiful. And if it's a blank card, and you write it. I mean, the thing is in life is I've learned from many years, and actually Mark Victor Hansen, who was at Principia, used to say we have to A-S-K to G-E-T. So, you know, this person may feel the same way about you, although who's going to ask first? Because that's how we get things in life is to ask, and then we get them. And so I would say put it out in a card and, um, and give it to them and, and wait for the response. Yeah, I, when I was listening to this question, I was so excited. I started smiling because what ran through my head right away was, this is a Hallmark moment. It's like, this is a Hallmark card store and find the perfect card that expresses your feelings. And, you know, it's it's a step towards creating that relationship. I mean, it, like Janice said, if you don't ASK, you're not going to GET, so you just sit there wondering all this time what's going to happen. I mean, when I first met Janice, I think after the first month of being together, I asked her to marry me. And it was like, I didn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was so funny. 
Okay, next. Okay, all right. The next one comes. Thank you. Yes, it was a great question. Uh, The next one comes from PB, and the question is I've been such a loner in my life, not knowing how to do social conversations effectively, and I withdraw or isolate, feel rejected. Are there any tools to help me navigate social situations such that I don't succumb to those patterns? some clue to help me break the downward spiral, spiral and stay present. I need a breakthrough. Thanks. Yeah, we touched on it earlier in, at the beginning of this um, teleconference. And I know for me, um, I'm really an introverted person. I'm very uncomfortable when I'm in a crowd of people. And, uh, and I wanted to really work on that um, I've learned very early on from a seminar that um, to be a great conversationalist, which is what I was afraid of, that maybe I was boring, uh, you actually listen more than you speak. And so like I mentioned earlier, you have two ears and one mouth. It means that you should really be listening twice as much as you really talk. And when you're in a situation like in this question, I find that if I can get to one person or two people in in a gathering and really ask, a question about them uh, and let the conversation go from there and let them take the lead, you know, I end up being uh, in a great conversation. And more often than not, these people will somehow get, get back to Janice and that guy said, wow, your husband's great. And then she'll say, what did you say? I said, I didn't say anything. I just asked a question. He went on and on about hunting and this and that. And I just acted like I was present and I listened and I was like listening to that. And I was like, you know, it was like, I, you create wonderful relationships by listening. And so for this person, it would be like, you know, take take a moment, pick one or two persons and practice and just ask a question, what do you do? Um, and that's usually a great question because everybody's doing something. So if you ask them, what do you do, what's your occupation, you know, and uh, and let it go from there and just be in the present moment. You don't have to come up with any answers. Yes, I mean, I think that's a great answer. And again, like I think the being with and listening with your heart as well as your ears, and, and you find out what's important to that person. And at that point, you have the connection. If you can feel that emotional connection as well as listening to the words, then that, that is what each one of us really truly wants, is to, for someone to be totally present to us. So I think, yep, that's it for that one. Okay. The next one comes from R.M. How do you handle it when your spouse doesn't get along with and show respect to your parents? I'm always feeling like I'm walking on eggshells, being the in-between person, and want to know the best way to have peace and harmony so we can all enjoy and relax. Well, in the beginning of this call, we talked about the differences in Curtis and my background and our families. And um, we didn't even talk about all of it. There were way more than that. But one of the things is, this is my recommendation, is that your significant other loves you. And they truly do want to make you happy. They want to do things that you'll be happy with. So I would say one of the biggest things is to let them know, again, like I said before, your family is their family. It was all our family. And so if you can have the conversation and let your significant other know, I know you love me, and I love my family. And maybe you're not there yet in loving them, but I'm going to ask you to treat them with care and respect because you love me. That is what I'm asking. And you can even say, that's what I've asked for my Christmas gift. That's the only gift I want. And, of course, after doing the seminar, it's much easier um, to be able to communicate in the language that's common about, you know, what that means to you. And, and, and if, even if the person hasn't done the seminar, to just come from your heart and let them know this is more important than anything else. This is the gift that you want more than anything else. And again, for the significant other to know that you haven't asked for very much and this is what you've been asking for. I think partly, too, that conversation should include, you know, um, to find out from him, you know, if he why is he upset with her parents, or why doesn't he uh, have the kind of respect for her parents, or you know what's going on for him? Because he might not be, uh, he may not realize 
what he's communicating. <clears throat> and so to find out, like, do you, you know, are you afraid of my parents? Uh, do you not like them and why? Because it, sometimes it's just a clarification. And maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just his, in, his inadequacy or awkwardness that he doesn't know how to be in a relationship um, with his in-laws. And, you know, they, well, all, people make fun of the in-law jokes all the time. And maybe he's just following a pattern of how it's supposed to be when it really shouldn't be. Um, my in-laws, I love my in-laws, and it took uh, me to be engaging with them and to finding the, their gifts. And um, I don't know, I, it's it's like uh, when I married Janice, I knew that I didn't just marry Janice. I married her family, and her sister-in-law is my sister. Uh, her parents were my parents. And it was great for me because my parents divorced when, as a child. And so they were like, for me, uh, what I wanted. And so I worked at it, and um, you know, and it all paid off. Mm-hmm. So I would say yes to have your husbands look at that your family is your history, and you are who you are today because of your family, and he loves you. And so to see if he could sign the love and the appreciation toward them and some of the things that they helped to create in you, the woman that he married. Yeah, and I do know this. It's like as a husband, like when we first were married, you know, I was so concerned that, um, wanting to be accepted. And I found that one of the best techniques to be accepted was how I treated Janice. And so through my examples and, and how I was respectful to Janice, how I loved her, cared for her, you know, and just was a gentleman with her, that I think my in-laws got to see the, the love that I have for Janice as much as they loved her. And so it was equal at that point. And I think I got over my insecurities about maybe I'm not good enough. And so I just really focused on um, being a better husband to Janice so that they realize that, you know what, he really do- does love her and he really does respect her. And and, um, and it just made the relationship so much easier. Okay, Matt. Okay. So we have our last question, and then we'll wrap up after that. But the last question is from R.D., And the question is, when I am with my family, things feel rushed and disjointed. Under these conditions, I am always afraid that if I say, do, or look the wrong way, things will explode. What can I do to keep the water smooth and to not let my own judgments and control issues get in the way? And how do I avoid responding to these comments um, that are clearly so mean? Okay, so I mean, I know it gets can be really chaotic this time of year. So I would recommend for the caller here to sit down with her family, and I don't know if that means her immediate family or her extended family, and actually plan out what the activities are. And sometimes that means taking some activities off the list to make have less activities and to create. Actually, many times you've heard the less is more. Sometimes that is what happens. So we cut down on the list and we get to appreciate things more fully. So I would say that's the first thing, getting really clear about what she wants, sitting down with her family members and being clear that she doesn't want to have these feelings and she wants to feel the joy and the connectedness and a calmness about the holidays. And then the next thing is um, finding out, so who has the expectations about how she looks and how she acts? And getting clear and maybe communicating again with family members that, you know, what I wear, this is what's comfortable for me. And I may be judged by what I'm wearing, although this is who I am and this is what's comfortable in, um, for me to, 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 to wear for these activities. Um, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, part? sometimes it sounds like around the holidays, like if you're hosting the family gathering, uh, it can be really overwhelming uh, in terms of planning, uh, cooking, and preparing, and um, what what works for us is, um, like at Thanksgiving, all of my family, since my grandparents have passed away, have been coming to my house. And the party size is usually about 70-plus people. And so rather than Janice and I doing all the cooking, my cousin is actually, I put her in charge, and uh, she has it down to a science now, and she assigns each family member uh, a dish. And so there's certain people doing a turkey, certain people doing a ham, Janice has got the Italian shells. I got 20 pounds of mashed potatoes. And so we just do one dish. 
and then it's like a, a gathering of a family potluck. And it's so much easier. It's so much fun because people bring their special dishes, and uh, it's like, oh, who made this, and what is that? And, uh, and it's really I have more time to be with it rather than being stuck in the kitchen and cooking all day. And so maybe it's like, like Janice is cutting down the activities and assigning activities to other people so that you can be in relationship rather than worrying about all the things that has to go right. You know, it's just like delegate. Well, and then that's, that's so true. And then the last part of the, of the question was, what can I do to keep the water smooth and to not let my own judgments and control issues get in the way? Well, again, keeping your screen of the mind, the perfect end result, also doing your cycles. So that's one of the things for those of you who haven't done the basic, the cycles to be able to keep you grounded and calm and connected. And if you keep your waters smooth and calm, that will most likely overflow onto your, the rest of your family. And, you know, looking at your own judgments and your control issues, again, you know, things are in a divine order. You do the best you can setting things up ahead of time and let go. That's part of the gift of being let go and to see what happens and not getting so concerned with how it has to look and how it has to be after you've done all the, 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 the preliminary things. And the, the question about how do you avoid responding to comments that are so clearly mean, I recommend ignoring it. And the moment when you're having a gathering to ignore what's been said that's mean. And after the gathering, again, we talked about this too, calling the person and setting time up to have coffee or lunch or something like that and letting them know that this is what happened and I felt very hurt by what you said. And I wanted to find out, you know, what's going on or how can we mend this. And, um, and again, I wouldn't do it in the moment. I would do it afterwards when everybody's calm and that you can have a, a, a calm conversation about what was said to you that you considered was mean. And one little thing, too, like when you have important um, gatherings or an important meeting, um, screen of the mind is great. And then I add a little bit to it. I always send, like for me, um, being raised Catholic and this time of the year, I'll ask all my angels and guides to go ahead of me to make this, this event perfect. You know, I put it into their hands. And I really trust that. You know, even if I go to the legislators to, to uh, to go and do a um, testimony, I'll send my angels and guides ahead of me to have the perfect end result and to see me up there on the podium and giving my testimony because, I mean, that's nerve-wracking. And yet, if I have that picture in my mind, it's really easy to do and it all turns out usually better than I expected. Okay. Okay. So if you would like to give us a couple minutes of, you know, just a wrap up on this call, it's been fantastic. And I'm sure that everyone on the call would love to keep listening to question and answer, you know, for the next couple of hours. And we're going to have to wrap up. So we'd love to hear it. Well, you know, we've done all this work um, in the seminars and people that are considering doing the seminar. And really what it comes really comes down to we can have the material things in life and we can have the positions and the titles, but it really does come down to the relationships. Because the most important really aspect of our happy lives is the relationships around us. And that's what makes our life worth it, is the great relationships. And I hope that we gave you some navigational tools that you can use not only now during the holidays, although throughout the, the year, to create the relationships that you want and you deserve in your life. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, for the listeners that have not done uh, PSI's basic seminar, uh, really the, the whole gift of that whole seminar and the seminar itself is how to be in relationships, how to have happier, meaningful, loving relationships. And if it's not with somebody, how to have a, a perfect relationship with yourself. You know, oftentimes I'll say to people, uh, would you date yourself? And they're like looking at me like, no. And so it's like, how do you change an attitude? Because I've been told that many times as a child. And the seminar really provides you tools to actually adjust your attitudes and to how to create relationships that you, you most people are dreaming for. And so, you know, the wrap-up would be, you know, if you haven't done the seminar, look into doing the basic seminar. It'll, it'll they'll lead you to the healthy relationships that you're looking for. Those of us who have done the, uh, the basic seminar, it's like we audit. 
go back and staff. You know, it's a gift of giving, and uh, you give to yourself as well as to the students that are in the class. So it, it's a wonderful tool, um, and I think um, we all at this time of the year are so grateful for all of the relationships. Mm. Indeed. So what a great call tonight, uh, Janice and Curtis. Um, surely everyone joining us has received many, many blessings from this call. And thank you for taking the time to share your insights with us tonight on how to honor and respect those important relationships in our lives. Well, thank you. We feel so honored to be here. And happy holidays to everybody. Yeah, happy holidays to you and your husband. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Indeed. All the listeners. All the listeners. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy holidays to all of you. And thank you to everyone who's listening in. We hope you enjoyed the call and have some new tools to support you in creating a joy-filled holiday season and beyond. You will definitely want to attend the call next month. It's scheduled for Tuesday, January 8th. And on, this call is going to be fantastic because we're going to set you up to win in 2013. We'll be talking about goal setting and the most important part of this concept, the achieving side of goal setting. So you can register now at www.psiteleseminars.com. And remember to ask your questions in advance when you register. And just because the call's over doesn't mean the conversation has to end. Let's continue the discussion on Facebook. Please go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash PSI seminars and share your thoughts on relationships. What did you get out of the call tonight? And how are you going to implement this in your life? We would love to hear from you. And as many of you know, we post live updates during the call on Facebook, and we love having your feedback. And for those of you who are new to Psy Seminars and would like to find out more about the Psy Basic Seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to psiseminars.com where you will find out more information about all the courses as well as the dates and locations for the upcoming classes. That's psiseminars.com. Also, remember to check out what opportunities are available in a Psy City near you to support the Giving Day efforts. Thank you for being on the call tonight and we appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. And we hope you have a great night and a fantastic holiday season.